0: In 1949, priests performed an exorcism on a boy referred to as Roland Doe in a chilling ordeal that became the real-life inspiration for *The Exorcist*. In the picturesque Belnor neighborhood of St. Louis, Missouri, sits a beautiful colonial-style house on Roanoke Drive that was once the home of a boy called Roland Doe. It looks normal on the outside, with an all-brick exterior and white shutters framing the windows. Yet one of the most extraordinary horror stories turned urban legends in American history transformed this house into a landmark uh, for the, quote, true story of the Exorcist. So before I get into this, this is going to be dependent on your... Personal, spiritual beliefs. I personally am very agnostic, if not atheist. So, as I'll get into in the tail end of this, I don't believe demonic possession is a true thing. But if, you know, you believe in God, you would therefore... Probably had a have a, uh, what's it called, dominionist perspective where you believe that where good exists, evil must exist. So, that would lead you to believe that Satan or demons or whatever you want to call them can possess a human. The true story... quote. I guess. So the story of the exorcist begins in the late 1940s in suburban Washington, D.C., with a German American family. Not much. Their 13 year old boy, believed to be named Ronald Hunkler, was despondent over the loss of his beloved Aunt Harriet. Harriet was a spiritualist who had taught him many things, including how to use a Luigi board. In early January 1949, shortly after her death, he began to experience strange things. He heard scratching sounds coming from the floors and walls of his room. Water dripped inexplicably from pipes and walls. Most troubling of all was that his mattress would suddenly move. Disturbed, his family sought the help of every expert they knew. The family consulted doctors, psychiatrists, and their local Lutheran minister, but there was no help. The minister suggested that the family seek the assistance of the Jesuits. Father Albert Hughes, the local priest, asked his superior's permission to perform an exorcism on the boy in late February of 1949. The church granted this request. For the exorcism, He strapped the boy to the mattress and began his recitations, but he had to stop the right when Ronald broke off a piece of mattress spring and slashed him across the shoulders, leaving the exorcism unfinished. A few days later, red scratches appeared on the boy. One of the scratches formed the word Lewis, which indicated to Ronald's mother that the family needed to go to St. Louis, where they had relatives to find a way to save her son. A cousin of the family was attending Saint Louis University at the time of his struggles. She put the Hunklers in town, or not in town, in touch with Father Walter Halloran and Reverend William Bowdern. After consulting with the university's president, these two Jesuits agreed to perform an exorcism on young Ronald with the help of several assistants. The men gathered at the residence on Roanoke Drive in early March of 1949. There the exorcist witnessed scratching on the boy's body and the mattress moving violently. These were the same types of things that had happened in Maryland when the first exorcism felt. Amid these bizarre happenings, Bodern and Halloran, according to their reports, noticed a pattern in his behavior. He was calm and normal during the day, but at night, after setting in for bed... He would exhibit strange behavior, including screaming and wild outbursts. He would also enter a trance-like state and start making sounds in a guttural voice. The priests also said they saw objects mysteriously flying in the boy's presence and noted that he would react violently when he saw any sacred object presented by the attending Jesuits. Did they record any of this? or, or I, mean, I don't know. All these details for, uh, made it into the film, but there were more that didn't. At one point during the week's long ordeal, he reportedly saw an X in scratches on Ronald's chest, which the priest believed signified the number 10. In another incident, a pitchfork-shaped pattern of red lines moved from the boy's thigh and snaked down towards his ankle. These types of things happen every night for more than a month. Once a red axe appeared on his chest, leading the priest to believe that he was possessed by ten demons. Why not? Two priests never gave up as they continued the exorcism night after night. On the evening of March 20th, it reached an unhealthy new level. Uh, I'm not going to read that first part. But he began shouting and cursing at the priest's. Now his parents had had enough. They took him to Alexian Brothers Hospital in St. Louis for more serious treatment. Finally, on April 18th, the miracle occurred in his room at Alexian Brothers. It was the Monday after Easter, and he awoke with seizures. He yelled at the priest, saying that saying would always be with him. The priest laid holy relics, crucifixes, medals, and rosaries on the boy. At 10:45 p.m. that evening, the attending priest called on Saint Michael to expel Satan from his body. They shouted, saying, "Saying that Saint Michael would battle him for his soul." Seven minutes later, Ronald came out of his trance and said, "He's quote He's gone." The boy recounted how he had a vision that Saint Michael vanquishing Satan on a great battlefield. I mean it. It's kind of reads to me like those uh, born-again Christian stories where they're like, uh, you know, they believe someone dies temporarily, sees Jesus or sees some immaculate vision and then comes back to life. Going um, to Bowdern and Halloran, The strange occurrences and behaviors seized after that. Um, Following the exorcism, his family moved back uh, to the East Coast. Sources, which have also referred to him as, I'm not going to say his name, say that he found a wife and started a family. Uh, he named his first son Michael after the saint believed to have saved his soul if he is still alive today he would be in his mid-80s I'm glad that they protected his identity William Bodern died in 1983 after serving the church for decades Walter Halloran lived until 2005 where he died of cancer He's the last surviving member of the main team that had performed the exorcism following this the Roman The hospital was boarded up and sealed. Wow. The entire facility was torn down in 1978. The house where the family lived in Maryland is now an empty lot after it was abandoned in the 1960s. Um, In 1993, author Thomas B. Allen wrote a book on the story of his exorcism called Possessed. In writing the book, which relies heavily on Halloran's detailed accounts, He claims to have uncovered the true identity and story of Roland Doe, but he won't reveal it. Wow. As for the cozy house on Roanoke Drive, it sold to new owners in 2005 for $165,000. That's crazy. So, um, I guess this guy is known as the exorcism doctor so this is another um kind of side story to the exorcist a small group of nuns and priests met the woman in the chapel of the house one june evening though it was warm outside a palpable chill settled over the room as the priest began to pray the woman slipped into a trance and then snapped to life she spoke in multiple voices one was deep guttural and masculine, another was high pitched, a third spouted only Latin. When someone secretly sprinkled ordinary water on her, she didn't react, but when holy water was used, she screamed in pain. "Leave her alone, you blank priests!" the guttural voice shouted. "Stop you blanks, you'll be sorry." <laughs> So, this was an actual exorcism and uh, included a character not normally seen in the traditional drive-out-the-devil script. Dr. Gallagher is a Ivy League educated board-certified psychiatrist who teaches at Columbia University and New York Medical College. He was part of the team that tried to help the woman. Fighting t- Satan's minions... God. Ugh wasn't part of his career plan while he was studying medicine at Yale. He knew about biblical accounts of demonic possession, but thought they were an ancient culture's attempt to grapple with mental disorders like epilepsy. He probably calls himself a man of science. Um, so... What is this called? Uh, Sleep paralysis? Um... Is it medieval depictions of sleep paralysis? So, uh, to me, this kind of draws a very parallel line to. Uh, sleep paralysis. So if you look up, okay, this is a painting from 1781 called The Nightmare by Henry Fusselli, Um which we've talked about sleep paralysis on the podcast before, and you can go listen to some of the crazy things people report seeing. But, you know, there's a medical explanation for sleep paralysis. It's where, like, there's a disconnect... In the wiring of your brain, or whatever, and how they depicted it in the medieval times was some kind of demon or figure standing on your chest, um, as you can see of, you know, in the nightmare. <laughs> Because people always report the pressure on their chest, which the thing with that is that your your body, you know, when it's sleeping, like slows down its processes and, you know, doesn't, isn't as active and whatnot. But um, I'm just getting to what I'll touch on later on that, you know, there's just... A scientific explanation for this. It's not demons. It's not Satan. I mean... You're relying on a book, the Bible, that was written 2,000 years ago that there's no reviving copies of. And, you know, I was thinking about it today. The, The Bible... And the Catholic religion BS that I was raised in is like a 2,000-year-old game of telephone that has been used to justify a lot of terrible things in the history of ever since it came out. But uh, that's a side tangent. So this guy calls himself a man of science, Yet today, Gallagher has become something else. He is the go-to guy for a sprawling network of exorcists living in the U.S. He says demonic possession is real. He's seen the evidence. Victims suddenly speaking perfect Latin. Sacred objects flying off shells. People de- displaying hidden knowledge or secrets about people that they could not possibly have known. There Quote, there's one woman who is like 90 pounds soaking wet. She threw a Lutheran deacon who was about 200 pounds across the room. That's not psychiatry. That's beyond psychiatry. I mean, you know, there's that old... There's those old wives' tales where, like... Okay, like, uh, a tractor falls on a kid. And, you know, the, the mother sees us, runs over, and gets a rush of adrenaline and picks up the tractor so you know it's not like it's unheard of gallagher calls himself a consultant on possessions for the past 25 years he has helped clergy distinguish between mental illness and what he calls quote the real thing he estimates that he's seen more cases of possession than other any other physician in the world quote whenever i need help i call on him says the reverend gary thomas uh one of the most famous exorcists in the u s um, he's so respected in the field he goes on to say he's not like most therapists who are either atheists or agnostics. Um, Gallagher is a big man, six foot five, once played semi pro basketball in Europe. He has a gruff, no nonsense demeanor. When he talks about possession, it sounds as if he's describing the growth of algae. His clone tone, not clone, is dry, clinical matter of fact. Possession, he says, is rare but real. Quote, he spends more time convincing people they're not possessed than they are. Um, Some critics, though, uh, says he has become possessed by his own delusions. They say all he's witnessed are cheap parlor tricks by people who might need therapy, but certainly not exorcism, and they argue there's no empirical evidence that proves possession is real. So here's a encounter of his. She was a middle-aged woman who wore flowing dark clothes and black eyeshadows. She could be charming and engaging. She was also part of a cult. She called herself the Queen of the Cult, but Gallagher would refer to her as Julia, uh, the pseudonym he gave her. The woman had approached her local priest, convinced she was being attacked by a demon. The priest referred her to an exorcist who reached out to Gallagher for a mental health eval. Uh, She was conflicted. There was a part of her that wanted to be relieved of the possession. She ended up relieving Gallagher of his doubts. It was one of the first cases he took, and it changed him he helped assemble an exorcism team that met julia in the chapel of a house objects would fly off shelves around her she somehow knew personal details about his life how his mother had died of ovarian cancer the fact that two cats in his house went berserk finding each other night before one of her sessions she found a way to reach him even when she wasn't with them he was talking on the phone with Julia's priest one night when both men heard one of the voices that came from Julia during her trances, even though she was nowhere near her phone, thousands of miles away. He says he was never afraid. It's creepy, but I believe I'm on the winning. He's on the winning side. So, how does a priest, or how does a scientist? Come to believe in demons. He insists that he's on the side of science. He says he's a stickler for the scientific method. Growing up in a large Irish Catholic family, good start to you convincing yourself about lies. He didn't think much about stories of possession, um, but when he kept seeing cases like Julia's as a professional, his views had to evolve. I don't believe in this stuff because he's Catholic. He tries to follow the evidence. Huh. He grew, grew up in a home where faith was taken seriously. His younger brother, Mark, says Gallagher, was an academic prodigy with a photographic memory, he wanted to use faith to help people. They had a sensational childhood. Their mother and father were great about always helping neighbors or relatives out. Um, his father used to walk... Crowley into church, he taught us to give back. His two ways of giving back, helping the mentally ill as well as the possessed may seem at odds. Uh, Contemporary Catholicism um, doesn't see faith and science as contradictory. Its leaders insist that possession, miracles, and angels exist, but global warming is real. So his evolution and miracles must be documented with scientific rigor. One of his favorite sources of inspiration is Pope John Paul II's encyclical on faith of reason. Uh, The Pope writes that there can never be a true divergence between faith and reason, since the same God who reveals the mysteries and bestows the gift of faith has also placed in the human spirit the light of reason. The church's emphasis on faith and reason can even be seen in the birth of its exorcism ritual. The rite of exorcism was first published in 1614 by Pope Paul V to quell a trend of lay people and priests hastily performing exorcisms on people they presumed were possessed, such as victims of the plague. Oh my god. Be gone, demon! And then they pop the... Yeah, the booboos. A line in the right said that the exorcist should be careful to distinguish between possession and melancholy, which was a catch-all for uh, mental illness. The church knew back then that there were mental problems. It said the exorcist should not have anything to do with medicine. Leave that to the doctors. He says it's believed that it exists in other faiths. Um... Okay, so here's a case where uh, people. If you want to know why so many scientists and doctors are cautious about legitimizing demonic possession, consider one name Annalise Michelle. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing Annalise. Michelle was a victim in one of the most notorious cases of contemporary exorcism. If you have the stomach for it, uh go online and listen to audio tapes and watch videos of her exorcisms the images and sounds were burn themselves into your brain it sounds like someone dropped a microphone into hell She was a german catholic woman who died of starvation in 1976 after 67 exorcisms over a period of nine months she was diagnosed with epilepsy but believed she was possessed so did her devout roman catholic parents She reportedly displayed some of the classic signs of possession, abnormal strength, aversion to sacred objects, speaking in tongues or different languages. But authorities later determined that it was Michelle's parents and two priests who were responsible for her death. German authorities put them on trial for murder and they were found guilty of negligent homicide. Uh, The 2005 film, The Exorcism of Emily Rose was based on her ordeal in the subsequent trial. Um, One of the leading skeptics of exorcism is Stephen Novella, a neurologist and professor at the Yale School of Medicine. He wrote a lengthy blog post dissecting Gallagher's experience with Julia. It could be read as a takedown of exorcisms everywhere, and I'm probably agree more way more with this guy. He says Julia performed a cold reading on Gallagher. Um it's an old trick of fortune tellers and mediums in which they use vague probing statements to make canny guesses about someone, or take the case of a person speaking an unfamiliar language, like Latin during a possession. Patient might memorize Latin phrases to throw out during one of their possessions. Were they having a conversation in Latin? Did they understand Latin spoken to them? Or did they just speak Latin? Um, he says it's noteworthy that no one has filmed any paranormal event, such as levitation levitation, or sacred objects uh, flying across the room during an exorcism. He's seen exorcism tapes posted online and in documentaries and say they're not scary. They're boring, nothing exciting happens. Most you get is some really bad play acting by the person who by the person who's, be, who's being exercised. And then it, Yeah, do your callous things. In an interview, Novella went further and criticized any therapist who believed his patient's delusions. Worst thing you can do to a patient who is delusional is to confirm their delusions. Oh my god. Primary goal of therapy is to reorient them to reality. Telling a patient who is struggling that maybe they're possessed by a demon. Yeah, that's terrible. Um, it's only distracting them from addressing what the real problem is. Um, Driscoll, the Catholic priest who wrote a book about possession, is non skeptic like Novella. Silly says it is not unusual for people on substances or during episodes to display abnormal strength quote i've seen it take four grown guys to hold down one small woman according to driscoll when a person has no fear and is not in their right mind and they don't care about hurting themselves or others you can see heartbreaking things um does he still believe in it happens yes he does it happen um then, he doesn't know why it would be totally eradicated now. Uh. I mean, he goes on to say that okay, this guy Gallagher he says, it, quote, is deep in my faith. He says of one of the exorcisms he's witnessed. Um, it didn't radically change it, but it validated his faith. I mean, what? He says he's received thanks from many people he's helped over the years. It's just a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, my God. Grateful to him for not dismissing them as delusional As for letting a journalist talk to any of these people, Gallagher says he jealously guards her privacy. Um, So this girl Julia mentioned earlier told her the end of her story. Uh, Gallagher and a team of exorcists continued to see her, but eventually she called a halt to the sessions. She was too ambivalent. She relished some of the abilities she displayed during her trances, she was playing both sides. Um, Gallagher says, exorcism is not some kind of magical incantation. Normally a person has to make their own sincere spiritual efforts. <laughs> some might say it's a 12-step program to get rid of Satan. Dang it. About a year after she dropped out, he heard Julia's voice on the phone again. This time she had called to tell him she was dying of cancer. He says he offered to try to help her with a team of priests while she was still able, but her response was terse. Well, I'll give it some thought. He says he never heard from her again. Uh, So I want to end on two things. So uh, for your enjoyment, here's a Mississippi pasture Speaking in tongues. <laughs> oh my God! What the? What? What are you supposed to get out of that? It's f- like fake. Okay, but anyways, back to spirit possession, demonic possession. So, and. Medicine and psychology. It is not a psychiatric or medical diagnosis recognized by either the DSM-5 or the ICD-10. However, in clinical psychiatry, trance and possession disorders are defined as states involving a temporary loss of the sense of personal identity and full awareness of These surroundings and are generally classed as a type of dissociative disorder. People possessed by spirits sometimes exhibit uh, symptoms similar to those associated with mental illness, such as psychosis, catatonia, hysteria, mania, uh, Tourette's, epilepsy, schizophrenia, or dissociative identity disorder, including involuntary and unnecessary behavior, and an extra human, extra social aspect to the individual's actions. In, uh, da, 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 da. Uh, yeah. So the DSM 5 indicates that personality states of dissociative identity disorder may be interpreted as possession in some cultures and instances of spirit possession are often related to traumatic experiences, suggesting that possession experiences may be caused by mental distress. Um, In cases of dissociative identity disorder in which the alter personality is questioned as to its identity, 29% are reported to identify themselves as demons, a 19th century term for a mental disorder in which the patient believed they were possessed by demons or spirits is demonomania or cacodemonomanus, manus. And some have expressed concern that belief in demonic possession can limit access to health care for the mentally ill. Oh my God. So, I mean, all in all, this seems like a, like a net negative for everybody and anybody involved in this, to me, outdated, um, thing, so... To end this on a fun note, I'm going to uh, read some reviews for off of a uh, Ouija board. Um, Let's see. Uh, Let's see. There's some, there's some funny ones out there. Dang it, where are they? Oh my god. Come on. doesn't work (laughs) 1 out of 5 stars 5 out of 5 stars shout out to the homies Zozo and Pazuzu for teaching me the ways ghosts aren't real 5 out of 5 stars verified purchase wife and I played this game twice with no contact we both needed to know this stuff was fake it is fake <laughs> uh well now five stars. I'm so happy when I receive this board. I open it up and play with it. But after minutes rode by, nothing happened at all. So dissatisfied with this because I thought it was honestly going to work and doesn't work. All I want to hang out with a demon, but no, I just ended up talking to myself around some candles in the dark. I'm sad now. <laughs> After using this product in my house, I have not been able to sleep. Doors randomly open and close by themselves. Objects get moved around my house, and I feel as if someone is watching me. I have contacted a church in my area, and they have sent their pastor out multiple times to bless their house. It hasn't worked. I still hear voices calling my name from the other room when I'm the only one home. I don't know what else to do. Seven people found this review helpful. Well, I'll say I found it helpful also. Nine people found this helpful. What? I, big scared. Okay. Uh, I just received my board and started playing with it. I must have gotten a defective device because I've been trying to get in contact with someone, anyone... Wink for a while and nothing happened, no reply whatsoever. This is lame, I'll keep trying though. But so far it's been a waste of my money. Four people found this helpful. Um uh, I bought this for my kids since they asked for one for fun. They love quote creepy stuff. What makes these quote work is the ability for the plancher to slide easily on the board this one has way too much friction stink dislike the whole package had some nightmares what <laughs> what <laughs> hated the, hated item so I burned it three people found this helpful now four people found this helpful waste of money doesn't work uh, I dislike everything about this. My house is now haunted, and we've had demons for a while. I do not recommend. One out of five stars. Do not buy very dangerous. Uh, True story, one out of five stars. Okay, me and my family are Baptists. Good start. And We believe in God. Good start. And I'm the one kid of the family who doesn't listen to anyone and I wanted to see things for myself. I didn't slash still kind of don't believe in cardboard talking to ghosts. Um, although my family would not allow me to keep it in the house. So I put it in my trunk. Kid you not, I've used this thing multiple times and it hasn't even moved an inch when I put it in my trunk. I wrecked my car three times in a row, which is weird because I've been driving for years and they were really dumb wrecks. First wreck, my brakes didn't stop the car when I mashed on them. Said the car went forward a little bit before stopping hitting another car. Second, I didn't see a speed bump in the road at night. uh, And I went over it going 45, tearing the oil pan up. And the third and last one, I pulled one out of a parking lot after my GPS lost signal and it dropped to the floor right before I was hit from behind causing me to hit another car. My car was told, but the other two got to drive home. I had to be picked up. This was three times to back getting into my car. Got a new car and got rid of the board. Not even close to wreck since. The only three wrecks I've had in their whole life. Fifty-four people found this helpful. Oh, my God. Really? So, you get a Ouija board. Nothing happens. Your family doesn't even want it in the damn house. You throw it in your car's trunk. (laughs) You throw it in the trunk. You get it in three separate crashes. You blame the Ouija board, not your terrible luck slash driving or that. Oh, my God. Okay, whatever. I decided that it wasn't worth opening that door. This game is evil and you should not play it. I was expecting to get possessed as soon as I opened the box, but it didn't work. I mean, seriously, did not work for me. Nothing happened. So people just buy this expecting to get possessed. Okay. I heard the package being delivered on my front porch while I was in my kitchen. I thought that a slab of ice fell off the of the roof. Must have thrown it on the porch and it landed in water by the door. There weren't any snow prints on my porch. So why did you give it a one out of five stars? I'm going to say I found this review helpful. Yes. Okay, I want to find one more long one. Dang it. Dang it. Would not recommend buying this product. It does not work. And the first time we use it, a piece broke off from the bottom. No ghosties for me. Oh, Okay, here. We're going to end this one. (laughs) No demon something? Verified purchase. So sorry that I purchased this. I bought for a baseball tournament. What? My son and I, as well as one of his teammates and his father. Good start. Thought it would be fun to use during the boring down times for the tournament. But I decided to have some fun. I'd never taken the board out of the Amazon box. So while they were at the pool swimming, I carefully opened the bottom of the box and set the board up in the closet. Then resealed the box. Later we opened the box, there was no board and everyone was disappointed. Said I'd have to return it and file a complaint. So my son's friend... Goes to the closet to get extra pillows, and there's the board on the floor. The son of his friend freak out, asked me if I did it. How did I do it? Well, wasn't even the room. LOL. So after not wanting to have anything to do with it, they finally agree to play, and we had some fun. The adults moved the thing around and made it seem as if they were talking to a demon. Kids wanted to quit. We tell them we can't until the spirit agrees, and of course he doesn't. They are so panicked we are having a blast. However, what ruined it was when we asked the demon to show himself. He didn't. You pay 20 bucks and can't even summon a demon. That sucks one star. So, you and this other guy, while you're at a baseball tournament, decide to terrorize your son and his friend when they're not. Oh my god. It is too late at night to be reading this. These people are terrible. But just so you know, you can buy this handy-dandy Winning Moves Games Classic Ouija Brown Amazon's Choice for $19.84. Maybe next time, to really round this out, we'll, I'll start reading reviews from the Sugar-Free Gummy Bears Amazon reviews. I won't. Maybe I'll do that when I'm uh, horribly drunk. Thank you guys for listening. Um, I enjoyed this one. Uh, I'll have one coming out on Friday, too. I'm sorry I missed last week. I'm trying to be better. I just have to be in the right mood, and that was tonight. So, hooray, we get the two podcast episodes for this week. Once again, I'm sorry that I missed last week. I'm trying my best. Uh, Yeah. Anyways, thanks for listening. Peace out. Don't get possessed by a demon. Bye.